Hello and welcome to You Are Not Alone. You Are Not Alone is a 1v1 horror actual play podcast. I'm Blaine, your host and RPG-loving friend. Before we get started, some fun announcements. I just launched a new site for the podcast. Not only does it house info about the show and a way to listen to the podcast, there's also a blog that I'm hoping to update fairly regularly with any news and my thoughts about the games I've been playing. You can check it out at youarenotalonepod.com. I also have the latest episode of You Are Not Alone up on YouTube. That's your preferred medium for podcasts, and we'll be working on getting all the back episodes up on there over the coming weeks. If you like the show, please consider rating and reviewing us on whatever podcatcher you use. It really does help other folks find the show. If you'd like to be a guest, recommend a game, or just say hi, you can reach me on Twitter at notalone underscore horror, and via email, youarenotalonepod at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. So this week, we're continuing our Troll Hands takeover. Last episode started with Gabriel Robinson joining me to talk about his awesome new game, Token. Token is a duet rooted in trophy game about a hero and a monster slowly discovering each other in a haunted forest, or fetid bog in our case. It is a really awesome game, and it's going to be part of the Zine Quest 3 Kickstarter event. The game is going live on February 9th, so keep an eye out for it. After we talked about the game, we got started actually playing it. Gabriel is playing Mazara, a hero from a local town whose family is cursed. She's entering this fetid bog, racked by years of war, to find the monster who lives at the heart of the bog and kill it to end her family's curse. I'm playing Brayden the Recluse, a man corrupted by the war and rot of the bog. Once a surgeon for the armies who protected the fort years ago, Brayden is now a many-limbed monster whose cast-offs, failed surgical experiments, angrily roam the area. Just a warning, this episode does feature a lot of spiders and a lot of body horror, so if those things bother you, please be aware. As Mazara and Brayden discover tokens of one another, their goals and desires will change. How will they have morphed and evolved by the time the two meet? Let's find out. Yeah, and I think so. I think when Brayden sees that spearhead, that's the thing he focuses on. Mm-hmm. And I think so. I think we get like a little bit of a, a like a mini flashback of Brayden in this same fort when it was still a fort. And he has, he has like, he has braces on his legs and he's again using, using crutches to move about. And he's watching kind of jealously Mm -hmm. as soldiers in the fort prepare to march out for battle. And we see that the soldiers in this fort are all wielding spears hmm. with that exact same type of spearhead, that obsidian ritual spearhead. And he's just standing there as a younger man watching jealously as they march off to war. Hmm. I like that a lot. I kind of don't want to ask further questions about it. Cause I feel like you said it perfectly <laughs> it implies a lot of things already. And so you gain a token 
which tokens can be physical objects that can be more abstract like that. But in this game, you know, players are very much encouraged to like echo themes, build on themes, have a feeling, you know, I've made that a significant object. Maybe it'll come back as we interact more, but finishing the role, I guess my question to you is you, you glimpse that, do you stay within your, your fortress there, your lair, or do you venture further from there? What do you do next? Before That's we a good question. Back? I think, I think maybe I don't, I don't think Braden leaves quite yet, mm-hmm. but I think what we do see is Braden begin to kind of move around to the various nooks of this fort and start to gather some things. So I think that like, I think we see him gather some herbs in various ephemera that we now know he has the power to wield in a, in a more magical way. Mm -hmm. Um, And also he goes and one of the areas has a table that's stained in blood and has leather straps, presumably for tying down people that he is uh, performing surgery on. Mm -hmm. And in that area, he draws out a very sharp knife and a, a bit of leather and stone to sharpen it even further. Mm-hmm. And so while he doesn't leave, he is preparing. Awesome. I forgot one key thing is when you get a token that changes your instinct and it's up to you what that means. But with your original instinct, you have written out, you need to alter that in some way. So do you okay. want to recap what that starting instinct is and how it changes? Yeah, so this starting instinct is, I seek to reveal the majesty of the forest so that I may shed this twisted shape for that of my former self. How do I want to change that? How, so I guess this is a good question for, for mechanics-wise. How, like, how, much do you, how much should it be changed? How much can it be changed? That is, yeah, that is up to you. I, when I've played it before, it's usually been one. So the way that we started with those instincts were two different phrases from two tables. I've noticed that usually one half of those changes at a time. Okay. But there's no hard rules on that. It might just be, I guess, you know, coming back to that, like if you've seen Mazara entering this place with a, a sort of concealed weapon and kind of contemplating one of your creations. This is kind of where we want to tie it together a little bit. I don't know. Has Brayden faced other intruders before? Is this like a new threat? Is this just another day where someone's entering here trying to confront him? Yeah. I, so I think that, I think that, I mean, it's not common, but I think that he has, he has faced other intruders. I, so here's uh, what I'm thinking is maybe uh, like what I, well, the change I'm thinking about making is to the language of the second part of that. So I'm, that I may shed mm-hmm. this twisted shape. I, I'm thinking that maybe it's changing because of this memory of the soldiers. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to shed his form, he wants to change it instead. Yeah, yeah. 
So changing it to so that I may change mm-hmm. this twisted shape into that of my former self, maybe just for wording yeah. purposes, um, where it's now this memory has sparked him instead of trying to escape the form. Mm-hmm. He wants like he wants to stay in this body, but he just wants to, he wants to change it. Yeah, that's really good. It's kind of like he's doubling down on it a little bit using that form and not giving up that past, but leaning into it a little bit. I'm kind of curious to see as we come back to that, like what revealing the majesty of the forest means. Uh, I think it's something pretty horrific, but I'm, I'm into it. <laughs> you, you were, uh, I, I, that is one of the ones that I'm still, I'm not entirely sure what that means, but I, we're going to find out. Yeah. And I think like you said, I don't think it's going to be good. <laughs> right. But that could change too, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, we never know. All right, so then we go back to Mazara. Mm-hmm. So I think I think Mazara's been just contemplating this this horrific abomination. And it's not like that that has that term has significance to her in some weird way. It's just like this is a horrific creature, you know, with the extra limbs attached on one side. And I think as it's swimming around in the trench and maybe even starting to like climb towards the side, she just kind of shakes her head and is like, I don't have time to mess around with this thing. Like I, I came here to meet the creator of this and she decisively like turns her back on it and, and starts to walk towards the center of this place through those, those like web covered dead trees. So I think for now, it's still going to be another reflection roll because you're not facing that threat directly. Unless there's another, unless you want to fill in a little bit with what she sees. Um, I think this might be a chance to flesh out a new location a little bit if you want to, or if you just want to describe what else is beyond those trees. Yeah. Let me look at some of the potential other locations. Once you kind of break the, the early line of forest, I guess I should ask you even before then, like, is it, is she able to walk through those trees or is this like really dense, like webbing and branches that she has to deal with to get through it? No, I don't, I don't imagine at least at this point in the area um, mm-hmm. that it's that bad. Like it's probably draping down. And as she like, as she moves through it, you know, it's that spider web on your body feel mm-hmm. that is not, not the worst, but also not, not great. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, like, I think you can, I think you, I think Mazara can move through relatively unhindered. Mm-hmm. And particularly, like, like we said, I don't think the forest is that thick right here. Um, so it mostly just gives it this, this almost like snowy gossamer appearance. Hmm. Trying to try looking at the landscapes, what might be an interesting feature. If that's further along, I also have an idea for how she might kind of search this immediate, like webby landscape you described either way. Okay. Yeah. Let's, uh, if if you have an idea for that, let's go with that. And then, you know, I'm imagining this is kind of, like I said, a very thin forest and these webs are just hanging down. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess this kind of already is another location based off of that, but I'm, 
I'm picturing with with all this webbing kind of obscuring her view that um, Mazar might use a a ritual or a charm to to clear the way a little bit using howl okay. to sort of summon a wind to try to blow some of that webbing out of the way and kind of see further ahead. Uh, I love that. And also, you know, I think as we're getting to this character, I realize she's <laughs> maybe has a bit of a temper at this is just like, I, I can't deal with this. Like I, I need to get to the, I don't want to be here, but it looks like the prophecy said it's gotta be me or one of my family and no one else has stepped up. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess this is a, that's me. Yeah. So this, this could be a challenge role, but I think because there's not like an immediate threat to her, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't think that at this point, the landscape itself is a threat. And I don't think that there are many of many of the cast offs quite yet. Mm hmm. Cool. So it'll be a reflection roll and she it's already a dark dice because of using the charm and then reflecting on her instinct or seeking the other. Let's look at I'm going to use Oracle with prophecy here. I think that makes sense. Actually, mm, I think resisting. Actually, I'm going to go back to that family curse that she's she's pushing back against the landscape, whatever has caused this webbing that's obscuring her vision and blocking her path. She just wants to blow it out of the way so she can see clear and, and progress further. Okay. I think that makes sense. So that'd be a light dice. And so one light and one dark. And I have a four on the light dice and a five on the dark dice. So for the re reflection roll, if it's a four to five result. I gain a token, but also the the land itself gains a token. So there's actually a fair a few things for you to describe here. The token okay. I find, I encounter something that's dreadful, and that could be pretty tied to the forest, the land itself gaining another token, and the the threat escalating a little bit. Yeah, I like that. Okay, so what? I guess I guess the token makes the most sense to start with. Mm -hmm kind of as narrative beat. So I think that as Mazara is, you know, kind of trying to, to howl and push all of this webbing away, she finds in, and I mean, I think you, you I mean, you got a, a partial success at least. So I think it does, it kind of, spreads the the webbing to the wind mm -hmm. and i think in kind of the crook of one of the trees mazara finds this very old rotting crutch mm. that's kind of wrapped in places still with some of this webbing and has has been in the crook of this tree for a very long time mm. and i think it's it's molding and parts of it are are soft to the touch. I think. Do you so? There's a question for you on that because this is going to change my instinct. Do you think that there are many stories about Braden the Recluse? As far as I assume, this is like him with his crutches you described earlier. 
would that be a known thing to anybody or is that like a complete secret? That's a good question. I I don't, I mean, I guess I think maybe so to turn it around slightly, I, yeah. I'm imagining based on everything we've said, it sounds like you, the, the village you're coming to protect is pretty close by. Yeah. Okay. So I think that maybe because I think that maybe, maybe because there have been so many wars that the stories of Braden are mm-hmm. kind of different in different areas. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe because this village is so close that it knows a little bit more about like who Braden was before becoming this kind of bogey story. Mm-hmm. So like the further out you get, the more he's just this monster that dwells in the woods. Mm-hmm. But I think that maybe, maybe your village does have some stories that talk about how before he became this kind of monstrous figure that he was a surgeon mm. for one of one of the armies that was part of multiple wars in this area and that he was that he walked with a set of crutches mm-hmm. and maybe that's a story that like some people discount because it potentially humanizes him too much maybe that's also kind of mixed in with just like the visual of like veterans coming back from these wars, just wounded or maimed with you know, horrific injuries, but some, you know, are bearing crutches or so. It, it, I think that brings, it brings that history to mind a little bit of all the suffering that's happened. And I think, I don't know if Mazar re- really knows that personally about Braden yet or not, but the way it changes her instinct is instead of to outright slay the monster, I think it's to lay to rest the monster. So I like um, that sort of put it out of its misery or maybe more gently just help it along. Oh, I like that a lot, which again, I feel like I need to clarify, like, because it's a monster, I don't want it to be like, you know, put the wounded out of their misery. I feel like maybe it is humanizing Braden a little bit, actually like because out of character, it's assumed we we're learning about each other's characters. So I think it's maybe realizing like how long this has gone on somehow. Yeah. I like that. It, it doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that like to fulfill this prophecy, you need to put an end to Braden but it makes it a less violent Mm -hmm. inclination. Right. And more of now a like, you know, not only like, not only does this reign of terror need to end, but like as a, as a person he needs to, he needs to move on. (laughs) Right. Right. And then I guess we have to deal with, uh, (laughs) with the forest token, which mechanically, it's at two out of three now. So that means if the, the forest or the land gets one more token, it overcomes us both. So. Yeah. So yeah. that's, uh, that's mechanically something we should, we should <laughs> definitely talk about how, uh-huh. how to balance that. Yeah. First, I guess first, I'll, first I will, I will narrate what happens and then mm-hmm. we can discuss how, how we're able to lower that number. Mm-hmm. Cause that is a, that is 
real real close to making this a very short session. <laughs> yeah. So I think what happens is as as Mazara is looking at this crutch and kind of cleaning the spider webs off of it and reflecting on some of the like very old stories about Braden that you know some people say are false that he was once just a surgeon in the in the war there is this sound that at first sounds kind of like that strange noisy silence of snow falling on more snow hmm. and then becomes louder and just these little plinking noises almost like snow that's turned to rain hmm. and the raindrops falling and hitting the ground and it's at that point that Mazara notices the noise and looks around and we see from all of these dead trees that surround her spiders pouring out of the holes in these dead trees and the spiders are this kind of sickly mottled color and we see the signs that fungus has infected them mm -hmm. there are strange shoots and tendrils breaking forth through their exoskeletons that kind of weave and wave in the air as these spiders pour forth and begin to surround Mazara, just thousands and thousands of these sickly rot infested arachnids. Huh. I love it. That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> even though we don't necessarily know like the distance and landscape between these characters, the sort of meta view of it is that those things threaten both of our characters. So I feel like in some way Braden would at least be aware of this or, you know what I mean? Maybe we see like the spiders are kind of coming from everywhere and going everywhere mm -hmm. and just overwhelming this whole area, like whatever has awakened them. Yeah. Yeah is is now they are they are everywhere yeah that's awesome so let's i guess talk for a moment about how we may be able to lower the the number of tokens the forest has mm -hmm. so that is is basically it's called the challenge role it's a version of the risk role from trophy where do you do you want to do you want to have Braden do that and we can kind of talk it through or do you want a quick recap? Over yeah, I think that that's probably good because I think Braden would probably not not love what's about what's happening. Yeah, I mean, because <laughs> again, mechanic wise, if you do the other role, there's a chance that could end it, which is yeah. you know, a choice. <laughs> yeah, maybe we just talk it through how the challenge role is when a character faces the dangers of the landscape directly. So it's always a choice. You can sort of continue your search or you can try to keep those threats at bay. But okay. yeah. So if you're facing it directly, 
I'm picturing also that if they're sort of swarming everywhere and they've been awakened, they're like coming out of the cracks in the stones of that ruined fort. Not even the spider part that threatens Brayden, but it's the fungus that they're infected with, like spores falling off and it's it's the rot, you know, it's it's toxic and it's sort of drowning out life. It's animating these creatures I'm I'm picturing too. Like it's taken over their bodies like you described earlier, like the that zombie ant or something you mentioned. Yeah, the, yeah. the cordyceps fungus. I don't uh, yeah. I don't know if you've ever watched videos of zombie ants, but they're fucking terrifying. I did recently actually. It's it's so creepy. Yeah, it's, it's I, it is. <laughs> I, I you know I I lived so much of my life with zombies as like a a high level fictional thing that I thought a lot about, mm-hmm. and then I watched a video of of zombie ants and I was like, oh no, that's not. Why is this a thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I like I like that idea of of this being a moment where. Mm-hmm. Braden is worrying about the rot. So let me think. I so, love that image too of them like crawling out of all of the cracks in the stone. And mm-hmm. so the the sort of obvious things that could go wrong is, I mean, the rot has taken control of these creatures. It seems like, and if it fully, you know, infests Braden, you know, it, it, it takes away, it takes control of him. So whatever he hopes to do, that's kind of what's at stake is maybe retaining control over his limbs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that we see Braden is back. Like we, at last we left him, he was preparing for what might come. Mm-hmm. And I don't, th- I don't think he expected what might come to be a host of, of fungus rot infected spiders. <laughs> so I think as we as we see him standing there in the ruins of this fort and we see these spiders kind of welling up and covering everything we get this kind of glimpse of of Braden looking around furiously trying to find a way out of this area so that he can find some way to fight back and we, we see he throws off his cloak, mm-hmm. and we realize that part of the reason why this cloak looked so ill-fitting is because when he throws off his cloak, he has all of these arms sewn up and down his sides. And again, we see that his legs are are thin and gnarled and just withered. And and unusable. Mm -hmm. And he quickly kind of propels himself forward using just all of these arms, all of these too many limbs. And he tries to kind of pull himself up some remnant of the stone fort to get to higher ground. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Do I use a charm or something else definitely have some interesting skills so you could really go either way it's also i guess like how how you hope to like reduce this threat or push it back somehow or something else yeah i think that maybe 
and this is kind of this is kind of combining two of the skills, but maybe what what he does is as he gets up higher into the fort, there's an area where he stores the the bits of castoffs that he plans on using for future experiments. Mm-hmm. And throws some of those down to try and persuade or mesmerize the uh the spiders and kind of get them to gather in one place mm-hmm. by kind of throwing these bodies down as a mm-hmm. as a lure for for them mm-hmm. to try to get them into one place and not not on him right I feel like I feel like that's almost like all of your skills right there. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of yeah. uh, cli- climbing flesh and glamour. Yeah, and, um, adaptation. and even adaptation, yeah. kind of trying to think on his feet. Nice. So yeah, so that'll give me yep. a light die. I don't have a scar, and I don't think I'm using a charm yet. Mm-hmm. That might be a future thing, but I do think that I am risking body and mind. I think that right. Braden is terrified right. of this fungus. And for, for many reasons, mm-hmm. um, I think that he's kind of in this crazed attempt to, to get away. Mm-hmm. So that'll give me one light die and one dark die. So a little bit of, good and a little bit of bad Mm -hmm. so i did get a five Mm -hmm. uh, but i also got a one on my dark die right yeah so in token sort of uh, a different approach to this from your other trophy games uh, if you roll a one on a dark die you gain a scar but with the four to five result it is a complication and you mechanically you reduce you remove a token from the forest so you you get to describe the success, what that looks like. I'll add a complication, and then when you gain a scar, you'll describe what that is as well. But maybe you okay. should start with the success. Okay. So, yeah. So I think that, again, we see, and it's this kind of terrifying in its unnaturalness, the way that he pulls his his body up this wall using his many limbs um, and it's a particularly weird because, again, like the lower half of his body is withered and sort of just hangs there and, and isn't used at all. And he gets himself up to this height and finds this little room full of various bodies and various amount of disrepair. And he finds kind of the freshest one available, the one with the most the most meat and he throws it down over the edge and we see just all of these spiders start to swarm over it. And they, their attention is drawn away from you as they're, they're feasting. Does that, do you think that's what adds to the scar or do you want to wait till I describe the other complication? I guess give me the complication okay. and then, cause I have an idea for the scar. Cool. And then your complication might increase that. Okay. So I think the complication is that these these like fungal spiders have been swarming out of the stonework, so to speak, and up out of the ground. And 
this ta- the ruins of this fort and the tower were, were already kind of crumbling and leaning. And as this swarm just like dislodged the earth and the stones, it causes the ruins to shift. And the fort that was already sinking into this mire very gradually starts to shift and crumble a little bit and start to sink very slowly into the mire. There's bubbles coming up over the sides of the stones. And you know that you maybe can't stay here uh, much longer. You might fall back into this swarm of spiders. So sooner or later, you're going to have to escape and venture further away. That's good. I like that a lot. Okay. Uh, so as far as the scar goes, I think, I think this deepens kind of an old, an old wound, so to speak. And I think that again, as, as Braden kind of looks around and try is trying to figure out a way what his best exit strategy is now that this, this is his home is sinking into the mire. Mm-hmm. He takes one last look down and is watching as the spider swarm crawls over this body. And we see a flashback to him even younger than the last flashback. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe mid teens. The first war that rocked this area has not happened yet, but is looming on the horizon. And we see a young Brayden standing and, and practicing with his practicing with one of those spears and training and so set on becoming a soldier to defend this home. And then we see one night as he sleeps, we see him get it getting bitten by a spider. Hmm. And we see this kind of gradual montage of him unconscious and near death fighting off the poison coursing through his veins. And we see his legs kind of atrophy and begin to wither as we see kind of this war coming closer, his one chance to become a a great warrior like he had hoped Hmm. slipping away as he fights for his life in the bed. And I think just thinking about all of that again for maybe the first time in decades Mm -hmm. and watching these spiders consume this body is just, just a little bit too much for him to bear. Mm -hmm. Cause it's about him personally, even though he's done all kinds of experiments and operations on other bodies and limbs that's what what name would you give that scar so you could write it in as like a single word or just a summary to remind yourself of that because as the game progresses you can choose to invoke your own scar for another dark dice okay what would i name that i think maybe maybe something like shattered dreams <laughs> yeah there you go that idea that the the thing that he wanted most was taken from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And right. at least now we're we're down to one forest token, so we're not. Yeah, not immediate. moving on complete chaos. Mm-hmm. So since you you've had the role and the result, uh, then it jumps back to the other character. So Mazara is surrounded by more of those fungal spiders. I think narratively she has to face them. I don't think I can just 
you know, wander down the path and think about things. I, I think she's going to have to confront them. So it, it would be another challenge role. Okay. Unless I guess here's the other, I don't know if you think it's interesting or not, unless you feel like they're called away. If this is close by, if they're like drawn towards that corpse <laughs> that um, Raiden threw down, or if they're further apart, I think it makes sense for her to face them. So I guess the one the one possibility that like because because of the complication you added mm-hmm. with the with the fort beginning to sink, mm-hmm. it is possible that maybe like more more of those bodies that Braden had mm-hmm. are falling down. And I imagine that like as as these kind of fungal zombie spiders, they have kind of a hive mind. Oh, that's cool. So, like, if if you think narratively a reflection role is more interesting right now, I think it, it would. We could easily make it make sense that like all of these spiders are being drawn to this place where there's all of this food now available to them. I kind of think that's an even more interesting image as she's surrounded by them, but they kind of pause and they start just like climbing over and around her, just like slowly going to, you know, in this one direction and she doesn't know why. Yeah, I think that is really like that kind of impending doom mm-hmm. that she she must be feeling surrounded by these, and then like there's there's easier food elsewhere, so they don't even they don't even bother. Mm-hmm. I think she she kind of like tries to draw her cloak over her face a little bit as they're just crawling over, and I don't know. Feel free to to come back to that later with like we described this like this rot and these spores and these this fungus all over everything like if they're crawling around and over her i don't think she's free of harm but i don't think she's fighting them off this moment either yeah i think that's fair that makes sense to me what so she has cleared the webbing is there anything in the landscape that she sees beyond that so we've got like the webbing that's blown away a little bit and maybe the, the mire sinking and bubbling a little bit. So shifting the landscape. Yeah. So I think that maybe to, to continue to play off of this, this image, maybe beyond this kind of initial area, this copse of trees, there's kind of like a hilly plain beyond. So, so that Mazara can still see this kind of like undulating wave of spiders. Mm hmm fleeing towards the far, like the deep forest in the distance. Yeah. And it kind of rises out of the mire a little bit, but the grass is still because of this rot is still this kind of like sickly yellow and dying color. And it's being kind of completely overtaken by these, these hordes of spiders running off towards the forest. Mm hmm. I like that. I think she's going to follow them because it's very disconcerting even more than if they had attacked her, that they surrounded her and then were drawn to something else and ignored her. I think she's going to take that as a sign, at least as some sort of omen and follow their path towards that opening, that clearing. So, so I'm going to make a reflection rule. And this is really, I think looking for signs of Braden. I think that's that's that makes sense. Yeah, like where where are these things going? So one light die for seeking the other. 
and then skills or rituals uh, charms i think i think if it makes sense i might use my skill and guidance to be guided by them i, w- I was actually just thinking that okay like it's a, cool. a really cool kind of sort of you you know what makes the best student <laughs> right right and i think mazara used to be you know a mentor to to her her nieces and nephews and used to be the one kind of you know watching them run down the path in the forest and kind of following from from behind to keep an eye and make sure they were safe but letting them run free a little bit but it's a very very different version of that just seeing where they go so two light dice it's a three and a five so it's that highest one being a five is that middle results so i gain a token but i encounter something dreadful all right and the forest gains a token sorry okay so those can be yeah all right so forest tokens go up to two she's has two tokens now though so that's yeah i think she's running like she's keeping pace with them i'm kind of picturing them as being unnaturally fast if they're like hungrily drawn towards this other you know towards that feast so she's not like far from them she's kind of jogging behind maybe so I guess you you would describe whatever order you want, really. Um, <laughs> token, and with the the landscape or the forest gaining a token, that can also be a totally new threat if you want it to be, or it can be an escalation of the things we've already described. Okay. Um, so let me think. I guess token kind of makes the most sense to start with. Let me think on that for one second. Mm-hmm. So just for... I don't know, inspiration or for people listening, a couple of things about tokens is, again, they can be physical objects or offerings, but narratively they could also be things that were dropped in haste or placed as a lure or just evidence of signs of the other. See, I think maybe as, as Mazara is following these spiders, you kind of travel through this plane, watching them undulate up and down the grassy hills. And you get to the edge of the forest, and they begin to enter into the forest. And you see kind of on, on a number of the trees at the very edge of the forest a symbol mm-hmm. carved into the tree that is this kind of crudely drawn combination of man and spider. <laughs> That maybe once held some kind of magic, maybe was some sort of protection spell, but has, with the rot particularly, I think the rot kind of killing off so many of these trees has kind of seeped the magic out of the symbol, seeped the power out of the symbol. Mm -hmm. So now it is just kind of a bygone remembrancer of the fact that this is the recluse's forest. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. I think that the way that changes Mazar's instinct, so currently it is, I seek to lay to rest the monster which haunts this place so that I may fulfill an oath or prophecy. Hmm. I'm going to have to think about that for a second, actually. I, I, I want to tie it to the prophecy 
Okay. Because it's such an obvious symbol. So, yeah, I want to wait on that for a second. Do you have any other... Let me go back to that roll for a second. So, yeah, so the... the Something terrible that happens, or something dreadful that happens. I mean, that could be it, too, but, you know, it's it's an excuse to double down on it, I guess. Yeah. What... Mm. You know, okay, I'm starting to have an idea. I'm thinking that it's it's sort of like a growing dread and a growing realization of the prophecy. It's it's sort of like this this nightmarish image here is sort of like and this may or may not be true, but I think Mazara recalls the rest of her her visions where first she'd seen this rot and these deformed creatures with all these added limbs. And then she kind of has this flashback to like the moment where she would like wake up from, from this, this nightmare or when she'd come back into consciousness from her, like her meditations, but she saw herself with many limbs at the end. Ooh. And, and sort of she's, I think she's like very conflicted now and trying to maybe deny what she, what she part of her knows that might mean but that maybe the only way to ensure that this like family curse doesn't continue the way it is, is to sort of take it on herself. I like that. That is good. So maybe this is a big jump, but I feel like I'm okay with that in the story, but I'm going to, I'm going to change her instinct from, I seek to later rest the monster to, I seek to become the dweller of this place. That is a big jump, but I like it. (laughs) And, and maybe it's not in the same form, but sort of take the place of, the, of that creature. And maybe she can prevent her, you know, her family line from being affected by this. If she just, whatever way this has affected her and drawn her in, if she can be the one who just stays here far away from them, they'll be safe. Okay. Uh, that plays in really good to my thoughts on something dreadful. Uh-huh. Because what I was what I was thinking is to continue to play with the the image of the spiders in the rot kind of disrupting this mire. Mm-hmm. Is that what what you see as these spiders kind of enter the woods and it, like they're they have become this almost like wave of mm-hmm. spiders, and as they enter in, you see the like the trees actually start to kind of tumble and fall and begin to like get sucked into this kind of awful marsh where the spiders are kind of causing the mart to are speeding up the process of the marsh reclaiming everything. Mm -hmm. And suddenly in this, like it just in the moments directly after Mazara kind of reconciling herself to becoming the dweller of this place. She sees that the place is beginning to be destroyed. Hmm. Mm-hmm. The very woods themselves are, are being reclaimed by the marsh. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Cause we have, once again, the forest is two out of three. From yeah, so it is back up to yeah to winning, and in this case, it's almost it's the forest is kind of losing, but the 
the rot is winning. Right, right. Awesome. Which is kind of a beautiful, awful kind of image. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a scarred, polluted landscape. And, you know, with these kind of games, part of me just is is rooting for the landscape, you know, for the horror to win in that way. And <laughs> just bury the the tragic, terrible past and, like, regrow and make something new. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I feel like, and especially with that turn for your character, like, both of our characters have such a, a deep love of this place for different reasons. Yeah. Or a deep desire of this place for different reasons, and now both of us are threatened to lose it. Mm-hmm. That's good. So then it, it jumps back to you. So All right. Uh, so what is Brayden Bray- doing? I think we see the fort is continuing to sink, and chunks of stone are falling into this marsh. The bubbles are coming up. And I think we see Braden. I mean, all all fours is not quite the right term, <laughs> but as as the fort kind of tilts, and like originally he was kind of he is vertical, but is slowly becoming more horizontal as the fort tumbles into the marsh. I think he kind of he uses his arms to propel himself forward and run. Almost, almost like a beast, away mm. from where these spiders are coalescing, hoping to find something he might be able to use to destroy, destroy these spiders. Yeah. So I guess I don't. So I don't think I don't think I'm seeking you right now. Sure. I feel like this is another challenge role. I feel like. Braden has kind of become reflexive where like in the back of his mind, he's probably still worried about the fact that someone is entering his forest, Mm -hmm. but more specifically at the front of his mind, he's trying to deal with the rot overtaking him. Right. Yeah. So there'd be a, a direct, a challenge role because it's facing that threat directly. So I'm trying to think of how, Mm hmm. I guess one question is, is has he sort of fled that location further? Do you think, or is, I don't know. There's a few ways you could look at it. I think, I don't think he's, I don't think he's moving too far. I think what he's doing is kind of trying to search around to find something that might be able to create like a large enough fire. Oh, cool. To, to like light these fungal, fungal spiders. Uh, a blaze because that's both not only would it destroy their physical bodies but it would also potentially destroy the spores that they're spreading around yeah yeah so i think maybe maybe adaptation yeah like that. um kind of trying to find something that he can he can use for this task that might not normally normally be used for such a task so that's one i think i want to Instead of using a charm, I think I want to invoke my scar. Mm-hmm. So this idea of shattered dreams, like he's currently wa- like literally watching his current life crumble uh-huh. and fall apart. And like any hope he has to continue his work is, is currently sinking into the mire or being consumed by spiders. Right, right. So he's like, he's literally watching his dreams shatter. 
I have an idea for as far as finding. So is he looking for things that might be flammable? Yeah. Something, something that would be, that would create a big enough fire. Cause at this point, I mean, there's, sure. there are so many spiders. I think at least one thing is going off of themes that have come before. There's maybe like a pile of crutches or canes or equipment, or maybe it's his equipment, maybe, you know, that he uses, but I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that plays really well into shattered dreams too, where like, he needs to like throw his surgical table among other things, like into this area to create a big enough fire. And like yeah. all of his dreams are just are, are shattering in front of him. Mm-hmm. And I think again, I'm risking body and mind. Cause I think that he's kind of reached this like crazed place of like, everything is coming to a head all at once. Like he has this intruder that's carrying an artifact from his past coming Mm -hmm. into the woods. The rot is overcoming everything that he, he knows and loves in this forest is, is shattering in front of him. So I think that he's, he's willing to risk both body and mind to try and save it all. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that'll be one light die and two dark die. Excellent. What could go wrong? <laughs> oh, I mean, I guess we are actually supposed to say that too. Um, I mean, things that could go wrong is, I mean, you're setting this big fire in a semi-enclosed space, or you could burn yourself, or even like the 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 rot catching fire might make some sort of toxic fumes. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot that could go wrong yeah, right here. Yeah. I did. So I got a six on my light die, mm-hmm. but I did get a three and a one on my dark dice. So only, only the one matters for scars for that. So if it, because your highest roll was a six, you succeed, but you also right. get a scar in the process. Okay. So the forest tokens go down to one. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like? I mean, with your creating this bonfire. Yeah. So I think that like, maybe we see again, like the, this kind of animalistic form of, of Braden using these, these limbs upon limbs upon limbs to run quickly through the forest. And like he runs through the ruins and throws his lab table and some of his lab equipment and some of these herbs and powders that he's gathered. And I think that maybe we even see him like find a couple of corpses that he throws and he's able to like draw the spiders towards these areas where there are some like gathering marsh gases. Oh, nice. And so I think, and I think for the scar, this might be a very physical thing. I think mm-hmm. in order to get that all to catch fire, he has to get closer. Oh, nice. Then he'd like to where he starts the fire. Right, right. And so he is able to start this kind of giant bonfire that is able to like destroy not necessarily all of the spiders, but it kills many of the spiders and burns off the the spores that they are giving off. 
but the fire definitely spreads fast and spreads far and kind of partially engulfs him as well. Hmm. I like the idea of, of mentioning marsh gas in there too. So even if there's not a lot of obviously flammable stuff, like it, it does catch flame and spread sinking, burning landscape. <laughs> And yes, I will call. I will call my new scar burn because I think like we hear this scream echo through the woods as like some of his clothes catches fire and like his hair burns, and we see him just covered in flame as he tries to kind of escape the inferno that he's created. Hmm. That's amazing. <laughs> so, I think. I do want to mention mechanically that because you have two scars, if you get the third scar, your character dies. Those things take their toll. The way you can reduce scars is through enticements, which is offering a token to heal one of your scars. Okay. Um, and I didn't really mention this at the beginning, but there are there may be some rules and terms in this game that change by the time people get the final game so currently the way i'm doing that is that when you offer a token the forest also recoils or retaliates in some way so that is giving a token to the forest as well okay so that's sort of the cost but it keeps yourself alive longer yeah it puts us we're we're in an interesting point mechanically speaking like in the metagame yeah because you are at two tokens right <laughs> which means if i if i give you a token to heal a scar right and i mean like it, it, again this is a play to f- tell the story so it's not i'm not l- losing quote unquote but like but your character might not want to do that either like, yeah i'm yeah. I, I am sort of losing right uh, because in order to heal a scar i have to give you let you move to three tokens yeah so i'll have to think about that but yeah absolutely it's, it's a tension between sort of self-preservation, reaching your goal, and keeping all the threats at bay. So, yeah, I like that a lot. That, that is a nice. It puts it. A, it puts a, it. Creates a very interesting narrative tension. Yeah, I think. I think as far as the ending of that scene, if you know your your fort is crumbling around you, everything's aflame. You're getting burned as well yourself. I kind of just for the the sake of narrative want to look at any other surroundings just outside your fort just because we haven't mentioned it really quick. Yeah, so I mean unless so I mean I I was kind of imagining this as like mm-hmm. it's mostly like thick forest mm-hmm. between kind of right where Mazara is now like right where the forest proper begins. Mhm. And then kind of it's a direct line of this like thick marshy forest Mm -hmm. kind of straight to the fort. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So I'm kind of imagining that like Mazzaro would, would see, see the flames from here. Maybe see all of this flame and probably like parts of parts of the, the fort sinking into the ground deeper into the woods. Mm -hmm. I like that. I'm picturing too, like, there being a fort, maybe there's other sort of stone elements that are like even older ruins. Like there's maybe remnants of a stone bridge that used to lead out from the fort. 
Maybe yeah, some, I like that a lot. Some kind of monument or statue that's out there. There's just other signs that there, there used to be, you know, beautiful forms of civilization before the war, the wars happened that have just fallen into decay as well. Just layers of that. And I like layers. that. Yeah. I like that a lot. I, one thing, uh, if this works for you that I, I'd like to add potentially yeah. When we see this statue, this kind of old monument, mm-hmm. I think that maybe Mazzara wouldn't realize this, but like the viewer of this story would realize that the person emblazoned in this monument bears a resemblance to Brayden. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Like how old is Brayden? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it looks it looks like I mean, probably not Braden, Braden proper, since mm-hmm. we already know that he his childhood was not the best. Mm-hmm. But some there there is a familial relationship mm-hmm. to whoever the statue is is honoring. I like that. I think I think there's like something at the back of Mazar's mind if she's seeing that if she's starting to approach this place and it's like not quite connecting yet, but she's compelled onwards with that sense of like inevitable prophecy, whether still, she's still like somewhat unwilling, but knows that like no one else from her family line has, has come here to deal with this. I think, I think that the, I don't know if you have ideas about the curse. I haven't come back to that, but, you know, I think maybe there's like, I'm going to connect it to the rot, actually. Maybe she has f- family that was involved in some of the wars, maybe as soldiers or maybe just as laborers who had to come out here and like dig the trenches and like tend to the wounded and carry off bodies and you know rebuild and that kind of thing. I like that a lot. And the rot itself is kind of this, it's nature's response. Mm-hmm to the evils that humanity has done in this place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think that's what it is that she needs to get to the source of it and not be one to spread it and sort of take it on herself by facing this, this entity. (laughs) But I like that a lot. That is really good. Yeah. So I'm thinking the combination of seeing this, the strange statue that she doesn't quite understand and seeing those flames in the distance from maybe through some undergrowth and like this, the hints of that fort, I'm going to make a reflection roll. Okay. Um, so reflecting on, on my instinct is the light die. I still haven't managed to get scars. I guess I wasn't reckless enough <laughs> early on, with this. but you know, I, I think it's time to get weird with it a little bit. There's, I think she's going to use a charm. Excellent. I like um, it. I may or may not have wanted to do this earlier in the game, but I think the charm she's going to use is beast form. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Which is, you know, take a form halfway between human and animal. But before she does this, I think she's going to take out that city and spearhead again. And she has like a, a leather thong of a necklace that has like a couple other charms on it and use that to wrap around the head of, of this heavy spearhead and attach it to her staff to make this 
spear, which who knows how effective it might really be. It's more of this ritual object than anything. And I think because those those fungal spiders have crawled all around her and over her before, I do think that is is tying back to the family curse because as she's weaving and tying this thong around the the head of the spear to make it into a functional weapon, you see like the robes kind of fall off of her forearms for a second and her, her skin is all sort of blackened and sort of necrotic, which was covered up by these, you know, her robes and bandages before. And I think that's sort of what makes her resolute in this, this kind of final confrontation is knowing that the curse is, is progressed in her own flesh and it's only a matter of time, but she wants to, to finally do something to preserve her, her, the future you know, children of her, her family line keep them from catching this too so the ritual that she does her her human arms hold the spear and she kind of closes her eyes and like flexes i'm gonna say that another pair of limbs emerge from her sides kind of echoing excellent (laughs) so maybe not as advanced you know or as as horrifying yet as Braden's form but she has an extra pair of limbs and she uses that to now charge towards the fort that's what she's picturing anyway so dark dice for the charm and light dice for the instinct so five on the dark dice one on the light dice so I gain a token I encounter something dreadful yeah All what, right. yeah i want to see what you have to add and then just build on that that is so i think that maybe the token that you find i love this image of you know mazara now like half beast half half human not as many limbed as brayden but but getting there mm-hmm. and we see mazara like moving through this area that obviously used to be kind of the like the the village that surrounded the fort and we see kind of the the ruins here and there of old stone houses and buildings leading up to where the the wall itself around the fort proper crumbled away has crumbled away entirely and i think there's one house that's not not anywhere near fully intact but it hasn't sunk below the marsh line yet mm-hmm. so even though the walls have fallen away as mazara kind of runs through the marsh she hits this point where like she runs across the stones of this house's floor and and something, despite the bestial fury with which she is heading towards <laughs> this confrontation, something something catches her eye enough to stop her, maybe for just a moment, mm-hmm. which is a piece of jewelry in the ruins of this house that bears a crest that was also on a piece of jewelry that her mother had. Mm. Yeah. I like that. I think, I think the crest might definitely have like, like a small scythe and like herbs, maybe like apothecary kind of symbols. 
I like that. Maybe, you know, once people who gathered from the edges of this place and prepared medicines. Yeah. So, so I think, I think Mazzara pauses. So, so Mazzara reaches down and picks up that necklace with that family crest symbol on it and, and looks on it. And it's just kind of fully resigned now, fully committed to this dealing with this family curse for good. I think there's like a flashback of her remembering her mother treating the sick, maybe people who started coming back from this area with early, some strange signs of the rot that was early and unexplained and treating it, but maybe seeing her mother deal with worse and worse cases. And then maybe in those early wars, you know, just the the nearby village being being overwhelmed both by like military occupation, but also injuries from from the wars and from the way the land was lashing out and responding in kind, and kind of resigned wraps that around the head of her spear to to attach it even more firmly, and is going to charge or or half half scuttle, I guess, <laughs> with her extra limbs now towards those flames and into that fort. What is, what do you think she sees? So narratively or mechanically, I sort of describe how I act on my instinct, but I kind of want to see like from your side, what she sees when she looks on you first, like Brayden coming out of the fort. So, yeah, I think there, there's kind of an almost an accidental meeting. Mm-hmm. Where Braden has has vanquished the spiders, but now the fort is kind of crumbling, especially with the explosions from the marsh gases. Mm-hmm. The fort is crumbling even faster now, and so he's just fleeing kind of feral. And he runs out of the crumbling bit of the fort, and there's stones falling around. Mm-hmm. And he looks up, and he sees... Mizara running towards him bestial in her own way wielding this spear that he he remembers from his his younger years and what I mean what you see is this old man that is now probably almost even too burnt mm-hmm. for Mizara to connect to that statue mm-hmm just like the the skin on a majority of his face is kind of burnt and puckered. And then the rest of his face are all of these old creases and wrinkles. And his hair has mostly burned away. And his beard has mostly burned away. And his clothes are, there are large holes burnt in various places. And she can see his withered legs and all of these various limbs that he has grafted onto himself over the years, charging towards her kind of un, un, almost unaware that she is there. Like he is just fleeing in escape. I like that. And I realize I didn't describe my instinct changing from that last token. I want to change that, but also mention that because I've got three tokens. This is also a moment when you 
reveal what your secret is. And if you want to sort of mention anything there that might, any other evidence at the very end that might change my instinct, you have the opportunity to do that. I think okay. from, from the last token with that necklace, I think all that changes, I don't know if it's, if it makes sense, but instead of fulfilling a prophecy, I think Mazar just wants to like shatter a prophecy. Like she doesn't want to, she wants to put an end to this, but she doesn't want to have to be the one stuck here either. She just wants to like lay all of it to rest. So, okay. And this might, uh, yeah. this might play into it. Yeah. To some extent. So uh, I think that the sign of my secret mm-hmm. that you see is that on, I think burnt away, like part, part of Braden's shirt is burnt away. And you can see as he's charging towards you that Brayden is wearing a necklace <laughs> that has that same scythe and herbs hmm. crest emblazoned upon it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. So here's here's my here's Mazara's final act and feel free to add to it at the end. But I think as she's charging in, she, one of the last things she glimpses before just charging towards Brayden is that necklace and that recognition and the, the thought that none of this really should have happened to any of these people that, that none of this was right. But the best and most most powerful thing she can do at the end here is just put an end to it. And she's going to first she's holding that spear like she's going to thrust it at Brayden. I think at the last moment she throws the spear into the flames and with her extra limbs wraps them around Brayden grappling him in this embrace and kind of dives and pulls both of them back into the flames. Mm. Sort of a final sacrifice that there won't be a dweller of this place anymore, perpetuating these horrors and hoping that the sinking mire and the flames and the everything resetting in this landscape might give a chance for new life and maybe one day for new people to come and live here again at the edge of the, the mire in the swamp. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. Thank you to Gabriel for designing such a cool game and coming on the show to give us a first look. And thank you to you for listening. If you like what you heard, please check out the Kickstarter for tokens starting on February 9th and help make the book a reality. Our theme song is everybody knows my name by Harley Poe. Thank you to Joe Whiteford for letting us use it. Join us on February 19th when the Troll Hands Takeover continues. We play Gabriel Robinson's first game, Candlelight. Until then, remember that you are strong. You are beautiful. And you are not alone.
from this dream, I'll set them free. Through cancer and disease, I'll take with me whom I please. No need to run, you can fight and face defeat. Through religion and deceit, and science and conceit. Try to stop me, but in the 